We are so happy that you are able to join us for today's message. Our hope is that it will encourage you in your walk with God and inspire you to reach those who don't yet have a relationship with Jesus. For more about Global Heart Church, download our app today or visit us at globalheartchurch.com. Enjoy the message. Really sense that if you'll, if you'll lean in, and uh, what I'm going to share tonight, I really believe is, uh, is quite, what's the word, revolutionary for you in 2020. And uh, it's not just another great word. This really is the thing that you need to get. It's the paradigm shift everybody needs to grab hold of. If we're going to make this decade what God wants it to be. And even as I was sitting on the front row, God spoke to me. I'm going to share some of it tomorrow. Uh, spoke to me about what's on this house and how to release what's on this house to the nations for the next 10 years, and how this next 10 years is going to be more fruitful than any other of the decades that we had so far. And that's not, but there's a, there's a strategy in the way that God wants to do that. And while I was on the front row, God just dropped it in my heart and said, there is something in this place, it's always been here, it's always been something exciting and profound, but there's going to be a, a releasing uh, in, in a way that really, really multiplies uh, and speeds up uh, the vision of multiplication across the world and in uh, and, and this church. And I just want to say, it's just going to be incredible. Anyway, I won't talk about that tonight because that's for tomorrow. And I haven't even prepared that one because that just, God just gave that to me uh, on the front row. But uh, as he always does, he'll, he'll give me the words to say. I just really feel like, uh, as I said, it's a re- it really is an honor to catch up with uh, different guys also that, uh, you know, you guys don't look any, any older than when I saw you last. And I was thinking about all the years that uh, I, I've come to Global Heart and uh, just way back, I think in year number three, and, and it was the first time and just all the amazing things. This is, this is one of my favorite churches in all the world and uh, just love the spirit in the place. And I just really feel like what God's going to do is going to set the spirit that's in this place on fire and uh, there's going to be there's going to be something very profound happen anyway we'll get into that all tomorrow so it's good to be here yeah no I flew I flew from Mexico yesterday so whatever day it is uh, I flew from Mexico uh, as I was in a beach mission in Los Cabos and uh, uh, no it wasn't really I was just at the beach and uh, so so flew from there to LA, in fact, flew from Atlanta to there, so that was about a five-hour flight, and then flew to LA, which is another three-hour flight, then had an eight-hour layover, and then I caught the late-night flight to Melbourne, uh, arrived at 9.30 this morning, had a three-hour layover, caught the flight out this afternoon, and arrived, and here I am. So, so by tomorrow, <laughs> so by tomorrow I'll be awake tonight, uh, You'll get my dreams. You'll get my dreams for you. I, you know, I just remember when God started uh, really opening my heart to this revelation that I really believe is a catalyst for so much of what God wants to do in the body of Christ. It was, it was last year, and, and uh, I remember on the first uh, weekend that I was about to, to launch this series, and it's really more than a series, more, of, more like a paradigm shift, um, and I woke up on the Monday morning, and uh, really early, it was probably at 3 a.m., and, and uh, I noticed that I couldn't hear 
is I, like, I, I have a Google Home in, my, in every, pretty much every room in my house in America. And, and so uh, at night time, I have the sound of the ocean because Atlanta's right n- not, not anywhere near an ocean. So I just pretend I have an ocean by having Google Home playing the sound of the ocean in the background. So I wake up at about 3 a.m. and I can't hear anything. And so uh, I lift my head off the pillow and uh, uh, I can hear. And so I put my head back down the pillow, can't hear anything. And I suddenly realize uh, that I can't hear out of my right ear at all. Like zero, can't hear anything out of my right ear. And, uh, and so that's never happened to me before. Now, over the weeks and the months uh, that had been proceeding, I kind of started getting a little bit of ringing in my ear. And, and uh, I just thought to myself that I was just getting old and all my, all my days uh, playing in a rock band had come back to haunt me. And uh, all those bad practices with sound were coming to affect me. And Jane, what did you say? I noticed, in fact, I noticed Jared had to ask me seven times today. So he was obviously in a rock band uh, as well. Uh, so what'd you say? What'd you say? What'd you say? And so uh, I, I thought it was just that. Anyway, I wake up and I can't hear at all. So I get up. It's about 4 a.m. and I start doing some work. And so I got some stuff done. And I had my first appointment at 8 o'clock. So I went to, to uh, my office and uh, I was sitting there. And I literally couldn't hear that person talking. And the, the, the room sounded like I was in the bathroom. You know, that kind of real bouncy sound. And so I actually moved the person to the other side. I said, I can't even hear you on this side. Uh, I want you to go on this side. And uh, so they did. And then after about two or three appointments at 10 o'clock, I said, that's it. No more appointments. I need to go to, uh, to ER, which in America is like a private thing called urgent care. And so, so I go to the doctor, except they've got everything that you need, all the drugs that you need, everything that you need. So I decided I'm going to urgent care. So I, I, I went to urgent care and, and the doctor gets me to lie down on the, on the bed and someone and uh, he looks inside of my ear, and I said, I just can't, I can't hear anything in my ear. And he said, well, Mr. Evans, there's, uh, there's something stuck in your head. And I said, you're not talking about my brains. No, there's something else stuck in my head. And so he, uh, he, they went out and got some stuff, put some stuff in my ear, and then began to start to syringe the stuff, try to syringe my ear. Uh, four or five times, very interesting uh, sensation. And so, um, and he says, would you like to look at what, what came out? And I said, sure. So I look in this bowl, and what I see looks like a black beetle. Like the size of a black beetle, like, like a body and then a head over here that's come out of my ear. Okay. And suddenly I could hear. Now, here's the amazing thing. I get in the car and I'm, I'm calling my wife. I said, so Jane, I said, uh, you know, this, I told her what happened. And as I'm talking to her, I can actually hear breath coming out of my nose. Like, you know, when you, when you speak or whatever, breath's coming out of your mouth, but some's leaking out of your nose as well, right? That whole passage. And I said, Jane, I have never heard breath coming out of my nose. And I said, I, and as we start talking, I said, I have never heard this well in 30 years. I have not heard any of these sounds, frequencies. I went to put on my coffee the next day and grind my beans. And I'm like, oh, that's so loud and flipping. What's going on with that coffee machine? And I just suddenly suddenly started hearing all the noise. I'd say to my 16-year-old son, I'd say, just stop talking so loud. You're just so loud. Just calm it down. 
then and realized that that God had done something in my 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 in my my, my life, and it was really prophetic. And Jay said, "Yeah, it's really prophetic." Uh, what's happened to you? And I said, well, well, it's, it's, it's actually nice to be able to hear in that ear in a way that I've never, ever heard. And, and I felt God say to me, he says, you know, for a lot of people that are listening tonight, here's the word for you. There's something stuck in your head. And I don't know what's stuck in your head, but God wants to get it out of you. Because until he can get it out of you, you're not going to be able to ever hear what he wants to say to you. You see, things get stuck in my head. Yeah, come on. Things get stuck in my head through all kinds of things. You think about it every day. I'll use another metaphor because uh, that's, for me, it's a miraculous story for me. It's a miraculous healing of my ear. It's just incredible. And God was making a declaration over our own church that so many people have got things stuck in their head. They can't move forward because they've got something stuck in their head. And I began to think of the other metaphor that came to mind, which is uh, uh, autocorrect on our phones. You know, this little computer that we all have has been programmed a certain way. Who finds every single day that when you go to type a text message to somebody uh, that, you, that you want to say one thing, but it autocorrects itself and says something different? If you're lucky, you don't send it uh, because that would be really, you know, all kinds of mistakes happen at that point. But who's ever found that every day when you make a text message, you want to say something, but your phone corrects it to something else? Anyone had that experience? Put up your hand, right? So here's what's happening. God's trying to speak into your life. God's trying to get into your head what He wants to say. But your brain, which has been, which has been, uh, which has been programmed like this phone, keeps auto-correcting back to the old way it thinks it should be rather than accepting the new information that your, God wants to put into your ear. And so I want to talk to you today about this because literally, I mean, honestly, I, I don't know, we just don't have too much time to do all this, but God has been doing a revolution in my life that I want to share with you that, that is going to make your next decade, 2020 and beyond, the very best decade. If you just get that thing out of your head, stop your brain auto-correcting, you'll start to live in the purposes of God. Now, I just I want to talk to you uh, about a complete reversal of, of things that I've read in the Bible, and, and unfortunately we've read it wrong, and I'm going to get to it in a moment, uh, but let's start with a Bible verse, uh, seeing I've started with some stories, let's start with a Bible verse, Luke 5, let's pray, Father, bless the word, amen, Luke 5, I'm very powerful when I short prayers, I can tell you. Luke 5, 12 says, In one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. There it is. When the man saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground, begging to be healed. Lord, he said, if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. It's an incredible question because it's the question you all ask every day or at least once a week about God. It says, Lord, if you're willing, you can Heal me and make me clean. You see, the question that we always have in our mind is we know you can. You can do it for other people and you can do it across the world and you can. I know, God, you can. But my question is, are you willing to do it for me? 
You see, there was no problem for the leper to, to come to Jesus thinking that Jesus could heal. He just wasn't sure if he was willing to heal him. And God wants to reverse some of our thinking, get rid of our, some of our stinking thinking so we understand who He is and we can receive more of what He has for us. So once we get that thing out of our head that tells us different, that He can but is He willing, God can start to work in our life. What a question. Are you willing? It's a, it's a, it's a legitimate question. It's a legitimate question based on our own disappointments, based on our own observations. I know you can. I hear those testimonies every week. But for me, are you willing? I know you can corporately, but are you willing personally? I know you care for them, but do you care for me? And this is what the leper was asking Jesus. It's a legitimate question. I saw you heal the blind man, but will you heal me? Maybe what I have is not within the scope of what you want to do because I'm unclean, because I'm considered not quite good enough, not quite well enough, not quite in the know. I've broken the law. Everything about me makes me unclean. I can't do it. And Jesus says in, his, in response to his question, Jesus reached out and touched him and said, I am willing, be healed and instantly, the leprosy disappeared. Now, you've got to understand the story because it's a very dangerous scenario that's taking place. The crowds are watching. The Pharisees are, are looking on. And suddenly this leper, um, you don't have leprosy today, but back then it was like the coronavirus, right? It was contagious. And there were rules set up. You know, they didn't shut down cities like they've done in Wuhan. But let me tell you, what they did was shut down individuals. They would make them walk at a distance. They would have to, they'd have to wear different clothes to everybody else. That would mark them as different. If there was a wind blowing in from the Mediterranean, they would have to be 150 feet from the nearest human being because the contagion could be spread that easily. If, they, if the wind was uh, 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 down and there was no wind, you could get within six feet. Okay, that's about two meters, right? You could get within two meters of another person, but if you got any closer, you would be breaking the law. You would lose. You, some bad things would take place to you, uh, uh, even in Jerusalem, uh, let alone China. You'd be, you, you, what would happen to you is if you got two meters close, closer than the agreed distance, you would be in big trouble. So, so imagine the story. Jesus comes. This guy's not stupid. He knows that he's about to get dragged away or something's going to happen. People are going to stone him or whatever. And so he comes. Uh, and I can imagine he's six feet from Jesus. And he kneels down and he begins to beg and, and, and says, I know you can, but I don't know if you're willing to heal me. You see, there's always a place where we come, where we come to a, a place of distance that we think is acceptable distance in order to present our question. I know you can, but I'm not sure if you're willing. And I love what Jesus says because he says nothing. What he does do, though, is breach the six-foot barrier. This is an infectious disease. 
This is about disease control. All the rules are out there for disease control. And what does it say about Jesus? It says Jesus doesn't say anything. He just walks into his space. Just remember, as Jesus is getting closer to this man, all the alarm bells are going off around about. All the alarm bells are going off within the man. Because I know that he's breaking the law. Not only is he breaking the law, but he won't get into trouble because I'll get into trouble because I'm the leper. And as Jesus gets closer, the man's instinct is to run. The man's instinct is to withdraw because what does it say in verse 13? It says, and Jesus reached out and touched him. He didn't say, you're healed. If it was me, I would have gone, yep, you're healed, good, it's awesome. Fantastic, healed in Jesus' name. Here's some holy water. You're healed. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus walks, doesn't say a word, and reaches out. And what does he do? The very thing you're not allowed to do, which is to touch him. Now, this is a very powerful moment because here's Jesus, the perfect Son of God, about to become unclean. He's about to make this guy go to jail or get stoned and taken outside of the settlement, taken outside of the town and be dealt with. It was a dangerous, dangerous position. And for the leper to come within six feet was dangerous. But imagine as he's standing there and he looks up and this person is walking towards him to touch him. Imagine what's going through all his training, all the instinct, all of the shame, all of the condemnation, all of the infectiousness of his body, all of what he knows to be true, wants to get up and run or at least retreat to a safe distance because he knows if this doesn't work, we are all going nowhere. We're all in trouble. And I want to talk to you because what he does is does what we don't do. What he does is this, against how he feels and against what he knows and against what he's been taught, he allows Jesus to touch him. Allowed him to touch him. It goes on and says this, it says, Jesus reached out and touched him and said, I am willing. This was not, you see, what I love about this story about Jesus, this was not a safety first moment. This was going past the point. If Jesus becomes unclean, what does that say about Jesus' perfection? What does it say about Jesus as the Son of God now that He's become leprous Himself? This is a moment of great intrigue, but it's a moment of great danger. And and Jesus does it not to show He can heal, but to show that He cares about the leper. I felt God say to me, he says, Ashley, you need to tell people when they sense the touch of my presence in a service like tonight, it's the indicator, the first indicator that I'm there to heal. Before he healed the man, he touched the man. Here's the thing, when I'm in worship and I feel the touch of God, I feel that presence. It's a sign that God's on His way to bridge the gap between you and I. 
that no matter how unclean we feel, how undeserving we might have been told that we are, that God is bridging the gap. So when I feel the touch of God in the atmosphere, what I need to do is not withdraw or be satisfied. I need to lean in and I need to allow Him to touch me. Because after the touch is going to come my healing and my wholeness and my wellness. And tonight I want to talk to you about, are you able to receive? You see, there's something stuck in my head that tells me I've got to do something that makes me worthy of receiving. And I want to give you the revelation God's been just downloading to me over a long time, maybe the last 12 months, about about who He is and who I am, so that if I could receive, I could become and be, uh, re- receive the things that God wants for me. Here's the deal we've been taught. You ready? Who's been taught in church life? If you'll only believe, you will receive. It's wrong. Here's the deal. If you'll only receive, then you'll believe. All all the autocorrects are going on in your head. Some of us are looking at the Bible commentary. Some of us are are checking out these verses that this heretical pastor who's now been overtaken by the far right in America is now talking to us. But we've, we've, we've made it a formula. If you believe, then it's now about my intellectual capacity to create a, a, a belief of positivity in my own world that somehow I deserve to be touched and healed. And I'm here to tell you today, it's nothing to do with your believing. It's got to do with your receiving. And if you'll receive, then you'll believe. And here's why. Faith is a gift it's not earned. Faith is a gift. You can't even come to Jesus unless He gives you the faith to open your eyes to see that He's the Son of God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I'm going to take it through, through some verses with you. Ephesians 2.8, we all know it well. Let's read it. It says this. Let's all read it together. You ready? Come on. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing It is the gift of God. Here's the deal. Two words there. Keep it up for a moment. For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. This is a gift from God. Here's the deal. Grace, unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor is something that's a gift. It's not what you do to get it or earn it. It's a gift from God. He said faith is also similarly a gift. So here's the problem. When it's a gift, what do you have to do? You have to receive a gift in order for it to be yours. The moment that you start to work for it, it's not a gift. You can't earn a gift. You can't earn grace. You can't earn faith. You can't figure it all out and earn supply. The moment you work for it, you block it. The moment you work for it, you block it. 
The moment you work for it, you stop it because it's not faith anymore. It's now works. It's no longer grace anymore. It's works. Now, I know we're going a bit deep on a Friday night, but let's go there, right? Listen, if Jesus has really done all the work on the cross, remembering in the Old Testament, the priests would all, which is a type of what would happen when Jesus came to die for our sins, that they would, they would kill an animal and they would maintain what they called the tabernacle. And in that place, the priests never sat down. Why? Because the job was never finished. People are always needing their sins forgiven, needing to have their sins taken care of. There's no chairs. There's no chairs in the tabernacle. Why? Because the priest is never finished. But it said after Jesus cried with a loud voice, it is finished. It says he went and sat down at the right hand of the Father. Why did he sit down? Because he was finished. It was done. There was no more to be done. The gift had been given. The gift had been created. He sat down. There was no more work to be done. The only work that needed to be done then was to receive. That's not even work, right? Was to receive the gift because if he's already done it, already healed you, already blessed you, already come alongside of you, already been your strength and already been your shield and already been your favor and already been your supply. Then out of what I do is my response to believing that he did it is to rest in the finished work and receive it. And for too long, our minds have been filled with what I can do to earn it, do to be good enough for it, do to be worthy of it. And the point is the leper was not worthy of anything. But Jesus stepped into his space and gave it to him. And what did the leper do? He didn't ask if he could do 10 things. He didn't try to get up and help Jesus. He just received what Jesus did and was doing in his life. And if Jesus has really done all the work on the cross, and he really died for our sins, our sicknesses, our hurts, our trauma, our brokenness, our addictions, then the only thing we can do is receive, because anything other than receiving would make it not a gift. And we really need to learn it, because it's against our culture to receive unless we feel like we deserve it. But the moment we feel like we deserve it, it's no longer a gift. Because you can never deserve it. It's not a wage. It's not something you earn. This is what sets the good news aside from every other news. The good news is that when you pray, and this is what the devil does to our minds, when you pray, even though you may have sin in your life, God does not count that to your account. Your account is not discounted by what you did this week. In front of God, you're righteous because of Jesus. It's why he says, don't seek after your self-righteousness. Seek after my righteousness and all these things will be added to your life. Oh, let me tell you, 
receiving is very important. So let me give you some scriptures to back that up. John 1.12, put up on the screen, it says this. I want you to read it out with me. Because as you read, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So you ready? Let's go. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Many heard him. Many listened to him. Many watched him. But only those who received him got his power. Power comes to only those who can receive. John 1.16. Let's read it. For from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. Grace doesn't come because of our doing. It doesn't come because of our efforts. It comes because of our receiving grace from all the fullness of His grace, we have received grace, not earned grace, not worked for grace. And there are a lot of people out there trying. You may be in this room and you're trying, trying your best, striving, but your life is not full of power and, and grace, provision, supply, or healing. Why? Because grace must be received. It cannot be earned because it's a gift. The moment you earn it, you stop it. It's no longer grace because grace is a gift. Let's read Acts 1.8 together. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. What is the power of God? It's received. I've got to receive the power of God. Luke 11 so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, what? Receives. receives. Not earns. Receives. Romans 8.15. There's only 45 of these to go. Romans 8.15. Let's say it together. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Romans 5, 17. Come on, this is so powerful. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? A lot of people hear about grace. A lot of people want to reign in life. A lot of people want God's favor. But it says that only those who can receive grace and favor can reign in life. I can only receive it. I can't earn it. I can't deserve it. And it fights against our religious tradition because everything within us wants to be self-righteous. I earned this blessing. I earned this favor. I earned that healing by fasting and praying. And I did all these things to earn it. I deserve it. And God says, well, if you deserve it, it's not a gift. It's what he said to uh, Abraham. If you were to earn it, it would be considered wages. But because it's not considered wages and you can't earn it, it's a gift. And the only thing you can do with a gift is receive that gift. We've been taught, believe and you will receive, but it's the wrong way around. It's receive and then you will believe. You know, you can't even believe till you've received. It's the problem with most Christians because they actually think they believe. 
because it's all a mental exercise in belief. I believe in God, I believe in God, I believe in God, I believe in God. Here's the deal. If you don't receive the love of God, you will never believe in God. It's not a mental exercise. It's a spiritual receiving of God's love. The most important thing that you need is to receive His love. Guess what? If you're ever to believe, if you have to live in belief, you must receive the rhema word, that word which is a spoken word. You must receive that He is for you. Jesus is for you. Jesus loves you. Doesn't matter what you've done, Jesus loves you. And it doesn't matter what you did after you got saved either. He still loves you and He wants you to realize you're the righteousness of God. You're the righteousness of God. Grace and favor is a gift you must receive. You see, when I receive grace, then I can receive the next gift, which is uh, faith. You see, when I receive grace, unearned, undeserved, unworked for, unmerited favor from Almighty God, then I can believe in the God that loves me, that He might want to help me. But if I can't receive His love, I'll never believe in His power. You see, I believe He can. But when I know He loves me, I'll believe He's willing. And so many Christians sit in, sit in churches thinking He can, but not sure if He's willing. Now I'm going to go a few extra minutes, so I want to talk to you about this real quickly. The word receive is the Greek word lambano. Everybody say lambano. Okay, I'm going to put it up on the screen for you so you can read it. It means this. It means to actively lay hold of. I'm going to get Spencer to come on up here. Lay hold of, to take or receive. It means to properly, to take hold of by aggressively, actively accepting what is available. When I asked, when I told you all those words, to him who received him, it's this word. Every word in the New Testament talks about receiving the Holy Spirit, receiving from Jesus is this word here. It means to accept with initiative. Everybody say accept with initiative. It emphasizes the volition or the assertiveness of the receiver. God's done everything to be assertive about His giving. Now it's the assertiveness of the receiver. But as many as received Him, reached out and grabbed it, He gave you the power. You see, tar Target, the shop, has all this stuff out there. And, and, and it doesn't randomly just give out stuff and the, the lady doesn't stand there, get, oh, take this, or take this, rah, rah, rah. You've got to go in and take it. Now, the story falls down because you've got to pay for it. But Jesus already paid for it. It's like Jesus paid for that Target store. You go in and get it. But if you walk around and walk out and say, that was nice, well, that's all you have. Because lambano means how you receive. I'm going to use a little story to show you how we receive. We've got a cricket ball. It's cricket season, okay? And so this is, this is for, the, for the story, uh, Spencer's going to be Jesus, okay? And I'm just going to be Pastor Jared. All right, I'm just going to be Pastor Jared. All right. So I'm praying to God, God, I want you to help me. And so God says, okay, I'm going to pass it to you. Go on. And I'm like, what happened? 
So I'm praying to God again. And God passes his blessing to me again. So I ask God again. Oh, I'm wondering what's going on. Okay. Some of us are even like this. This will explain some of your concussion. I'll explain to you. Some of you are saying, God, give it to me. Oh, flipping it. Right in the head. The word lambano, let's stand over here. Lambano. There's a very English throw. I can see that. So, lambano. Now, watch it. Oh, here we go. <laughs> lambano means to reach out and actively, assertively receive it. I'm not joking. Here's the deal, right? Get ready, Spencer. Here's the deal. Who's ever, been, who's ever played cricket? Anyone played cricket? This is what we're taught when we play cricket, the seven of us that have played. Here's what happens. You never snatch for the ball. You reach out and you let the ball come to you. Does that make sense? You position yourself, but you let the ball come to you. Soft hands. Anyone heard this? Cricket, soft hands. An Englishman catching. There we go. So, surprised he didn't put it down. Here's the thing. If he was an Aussie slipsman, he would have. No, he did it pretty good. He did pretty good. Here's the deal, right? Lambano means it's the assertiveness of the receiver not the assertiveness of the giver. Jesus has already given assertively everything you need. And your job is lambano. As many as received Him, reached out and took it. Let, said, okay, it's mine. I take it on board. I take it home with me. Into my body that's sick, I receive your healing. Into my finances that are sick, I receive your healing. I'll finish with this scripture. Listen to 1 John 4, 16. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. That word genosko is the Greek word for sexual intimacy, right? It means to know somebody. Remember, you read the old Bible and it says, and Adam knew his wife. It means Adam had sex with his wife, but they don't want to say it because they were all polite folks back in those days. So Adam knew his wife. God wants you to know Him. What does that mean? He wants closeness to you. Psalm 37, I was reading it this week. It says, if you, it says, if you'll delight yourself in the Lord, He will give to you, not earn, give to you the desires of your heart. Now, here's what the word delight means. It's the word, um, it's, the, it's that word we use, amore. What's the, what's the, there's another word, to be amorous. Okay, amorous means to want to be intimate, right, towards someone. It means you're taking the initiative. And God says, if you'll be intimate with me, if you will reach out and let me love you, 
like a dad loves his children. If you'll reach out and allow me to love you, I will give to you the desires of your heart. The issue is not God wanting to give it to you because it's already been stored up for you and it's already been put aside for you. That relationship, that sickness, that finance, that, that, that healing of the traumas of your life, it's already been done. Your job is, can you receive? Firstly, receive. He loves me. Oh, God loves me. Now, we think we know God loves us, but if we're just really honest, we don't really know how much God loves us. We do really don't know how much He cares for us. And as much as we think He cares for us, He cares for us a lot more than we think. And so our quest is not to try to get from God. It's try to understand how much He loves me. And if I'll get how much He loves me, then I can receive from Him. But if I can't receive His love, I'll never receive His power. That's why focusing on what I need is so much less important than focusing on that He loves me because everything hangs on this one revelation. Do I know more and more that God loves me? So when God loves me, it goes from He can to He's willing. See, my kids know I can, and they also know I'm willing. Why? Because they know I love them. Because I tell them. Because I interact with them. And the more they interact with me, the more my 17-year-old hugs me, the more he feels my love, the more my 31-year-old reaches out to me, talks to me, draws near to me, gets close with his words, the more he experiences my love for him. It's not that I don't love him. It's just that he's not received that love. It's not that he's pushed in to get the revelation of love. And I'm going to tell you in my own life as I come to a close is this. God wants you to know how much he loves you. And when you do, you'll start receiving I had a man come into my office just a few a couple of months ago and say to me, never met, never met him before. He's from, he's from the Philippines. I thought he was here to talk to me about the Philippines. He's an American from the, who lives in the Philippines. And, and he comes and he says to me, Ashley, we wanna, I want to give you some buildings in Australia. Could you do with some buildings? Yes, I could. He said, well, I want to give them to you. What? Why would that happen? randomly, automatically just take place. Why? Because I've had a revelation that I'm under God's favor, that I'm under God's grace, that it's not undeserved, it's unearned, unmerited, but I'm going to receive because God's for me. God's won my team. God wants to help me accomplish. He wants me to succeed. He's wanting to pour out His... There's healing upon me. He loves me so much. And it's not because of what I've done. It's not because of how I feel. It's because of who He is. And all I have to do, think about this. You see, uh, when you buy a dog, let me uh, we'll finish this. When you buy a dog, whose responsibility is it to care for the dog? Is it the dog's responsibility? Or is it you as the owner of the dog? Put up your hand if you think it's the owner's job. Right. 
Who thinks it's the dog's job? That tells me how much, how much care you've got for your dog right there. The job of looking after your pet is yours. Unless you've got a cat and you can kill the cat. No, the thing is this. There's always good and evil in the world and God made cats so that you know the devil's real. Here's the point. No, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. I'm allergic to cats, that's why. Anyway, that's the point. It's not the job of the pet to look after himself or herself. It's the job of the owner. My Lord, He's the good shepherd. He is my shepherd and I shall not lack. But if I don't believe He's my shepherd, if I don't receive His love, then I'm destined to be frustrated, striving to earn it. And God said, it's a gift. Everything of the kingdom is a gift. Salvation's a gift, we believe that. But we go from salvation, grace by a gift, to working to be good enough to receive. And Jesus says, you'll never be good enough to receive and you're only good enough because of me. And because you're good enough because of me, I, because I am your righteousness, I want you to receive. These are the four things I want you to remember to do this year. If you would meditate on these four things day and night, and speak them out day and night, you will change forever. You see, the devil tried to get Jesus to forget he was loved. Jesus, when God said to him twice audibly, this is my son whom I love dearly. The very next thing, Jesus is in the wilderness being led by the Holy Spirit, but the devil drops the word loved. He says, if you're the Son of God, not the love Son of God, because as soon as he could get Jesus to forget that he was loved, he was easy prey to everything that was coming his way. So he drops the love part because if the devil can get you to make you feel you're not loved like God wants you to be loved, and if you don't progress in your revelation, you might have felt like God loved me so much He died for me and I got saved. But if you don't get how much He loves you today, how much He loves your family, how much He loves your wife, how much He loves your children, how much He loves you, how much He loves your health, how much He loves your finances, how much He loves you, then you won't ever receive except that little bit of salvation that guarantees you go to heaven but then all of life sucks and you just have half-hearted living because you never learnt to receive. It's never about how much you can believe. It's about how much you can receive. That thing that's stuck in your head, God is trying to get it out so you can hear properly what He says about you. He says, I'm for you. I'm with you. I'm alongside of you. I want to help you. I want to touch your life. And so tonight, as we come to a close, here's the thing. I want everybody to close their eyes. God stands with His hands outstretched towards you, saying, I love you. And all you have to do is accept the gift, not earn it. You may have been a terrible person in your past life. You might have been a good person, at least in your own eyes. God says all of our goodness 
is filthy rags to Him. In other words, it doesn't matter if you fail one thing, you failed everything in God's righteousness. But because of Jesus, you can receive from Him all of His power, love, favour, grace, supply, all the things that you need, healing, everything comes because He loves you. And your ability to receive it determines whether you can believe it, not the other way around. And so in this place, if you don't know Jesus, or Jesus hasn't been center in your life, don't make this decade of 2020 and beyond a a useless and a worthless decade. Live your life for Him with full purpose. Make this decade the most incredible. Make this the roaring 20s for your life. The most amazing decade that you look back on and say, God was with me and I received from Him grace upon grace, favour upon favour. I live under His favour every day when I walk into a situation. I know He's with me. These four things I recite every single day of my life. God, I know You love me. You love me so much, so much you chose me. I didn't choose myself, you chose me. I didn't find you, you found me. Thank you, Jesus. Number two, because uh, uh, you love me and Jesus came to die for me, I'm righteous. I am righteous. What does the devil use? Shame and condemnation to make me stay away and feel like I can't receive. God, you love me. Number two, I'm righteous. And if I'm righteous, you said you promised the righteous great favor. That means I'm under your favor today. And because I'm under your favor today, I'm going to be bold and courageous at everything I do. I'm going to run after it with all of my being because you are with me. I'm going to receive from you what I need and go out and plunder and see what God does through my life. And if you're in this place and you've never given your life to Jesus, or maybe you did, but you're half-hearted and you're saying, I need to put Jesus first. It's not about how good you are. It's about receiving His love that changes everything. If you need a revelation of that love, if you need to get your life right with God, if you need to return to the loving arms of God and let Him lead your life, if you're not sure if you're to die today and go to heaven, then I want to pray for you. So with every eye closed, every head bowed, I'm going to ask you, when I count to three, it's just a moment where you know when to respond. When I get to three, I want you to respond. This is how I want you to respond. If you're in those categories that I just mentioned, getting right with God, asking God to show you how much He loves you in a profound, deep and personal way, away from God but want to come back from God, never had God in your life, or want to be sure that if you were to die today, you're going to go to heaven because people have doubts about these things. And when I count to three all over this place, I want you just to raise your hand. I'm going to see it. You can put it down. I'm going to pray for you that you would receive from Him today everything that you need. So on the count of three, you raise your hand all over this place. Are you ready? One, two, three. Just put it up. So that's me. You're talking to me. Who is there? So I want to need Jesus in my heart. I see those hands. Yes. Anyone else? God bless you. Anyone else? Just raise those hands. God bless you. Maybe host, help me. Another hand there. That's wonderful. Anybody else? Yeah, down here. Wonderful. Anybody else? Say you're talking to me. Yeah, God bless you. Anybody else? Yeah, you're saying, 
yep, down the back on my left. That's awesome. Anybody else? Yeah, God bless you on my left. That's phenomenal. Anybody else? You're saying you're talking to me. This is the moment. This is a, this is a transformative moment. This is the moment. Anyone else? Real quick, anybody else? Just raise your hand really high. Just wave it at me till I see it. Okay, yeah, God bless you. That's great. Anybody else? Just with their eyes closed, I'm going to ask you to do one brave thing. I want to ask you right now, where you're seated, just to stand up for a moment while I pray for you. Could you stand? If you raised your hand, or even if you didn't, stand right now. I'm going to pray for you. Come on. Come on. This is awesome. Very, very good. Anyone else? Don't be embarrassed. We're all for you. Anybody else? I know there's at least two or three other people that need to be standing. Come on, stand up. Doesn't matter whether you're 12, doesn't matter whether you're 22, doesn't matter if you're 102, doesn't matter who you are. Anybody else? I want to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, every person that, raised, that stood and raised their hand, Lord, the courage to stand today. I pray you'd come into their life in a powerful and a mighty way. Lord, I pray that you, they would understand how much you love them. Lord, it's never about our performance. Lord, there are days I don't feel like I'm doing well. But every day I remind you and you remind me how loved I am, how righteous I am because of Jesus, how much under favor I am and how I can be bold and take on this decade with great power and enthusiasm. Lord, I pray for every person in this room. Lord, every person in this room. If you're in this room this morning, this evening, I just want to pray for you also. If you have things in your life, you're sick things that have been blockages, things that you've been praying to God for for a long time and you've not received them yet. And tonight God's been speaking to you, not about you having to work hard to believe. It's about you learning to receive. That's you. I want you to put up your hand all over this place. Come on. Put up your hand, people, all over this place. Only seven people have got, everyone else has got everything. Anybody else? I know there are others. I want you to stand. Come on, stand up. And if you've not raised your hand, but you know you need to stand. You've not received everything you believe from God. If you have, you need to come and teach me how you are getting it done, right? But if you haven't yet, which I presume is most of us, I want you just to lift up your hands. And I want you to say these words after me. And I want this to become the mantra. This is what God said to Joshua. I want you to meditate on my law. Now, we're not under the Old Testament law. We're under the New Testament law of grace. So what does that mean to recite it out loud? These are the four things I want you to remember. You ready? You know, I want you to repeat them. Uh, 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 I want you to repeat them after me. I am loved by God. Come on. Number two, I am righteous before God because of Jesus. Because I'm righteous, I'm under God's favor. Therefore, I will be bold and courageous and possess my promised land in 2020. I'm going to pray for you right now. And if you have healing needs in your body, sickness problems in your family, if you have financial needs, I want you to receive the grace of God. It's not about what we do. It's undeserved, unearned, unmerited favor. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray healing all across this place, like the leper who asked, I know you can, but are you willing? You're here to tell people that you're willing. Lord, you're here to tell people you're willing. You're here to tell people you love them. 
And because you love them, you want to pour it into their life. I pray in the name of Jesus today that we would receive from you everything you've called us to be, everything that you've done on the cross for us. We receive it in Jesus' name and we declare it, Lord, over our lives. Father, I pray across this place there'd be people that would be healed right now. I pray people that are standing for others that they would be healed right now. And Lord, people would receive your love, receive your goodness, receive your care in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Jerry. For more about Global Heart Church, download our app today or visit us at globalheartchurch.com.